Good morning. Good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Yeah, it's a little humid, but what the heck? It's the last full week of August, and we're going to survive all this. Hey, y'all, I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing, and you have tuned in to the Gestalt Gardener. It's a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We welcome people from all over the South and all over beyond for the next hour to talk about gardening. Summertime here in the Deep South, hot and humid, got a lot of stuff we can talk about. Some interesting events coming up that I'm going to share with you. A few emails, a cheesy tune, but most important, it's all about you and your garden. Sit back, folks. We're going to take a little bit of news and come back in about five minutes with your live phone calls about whatever's on your gardening mind. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture Felder Russian. And like I said, for the next hour or so, we're going to just be talking about gardening. I know there's a lot of things on your mind. I know there's a lot of people just worn out by the humidity. I get it. I get it. You know, summertime can can take a lot of energy. A lot, when I'm giving lectures up in New England or on the West Coast or, or, or in the Midwest, I'll, I have to remind people that we're not slow because we're stupid in the South. We're slow because we're in a stupor because it's hot and humid. A lot of people just don't get it. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just it's tough. Anyway, if you've got some things you'd like to chat about that's going on in your garden, you've got some events coming up, I'm going to share a few in just a, a few minutes. Uh, give us a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. I also have my laptop open, so if you'd like to shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. We'll talk about that, too. So anyway, uh, give us a call. Meanwhile, let's slide all the way down to the Gulf Coast to Long Beach, Mississippi. Hey, Kathy, good morning. How are you? Hi, Delta. How are you? So far, so good. What's up? Well, you know, the heat has been so hard, so hard on my yard. But I have centipede, and I can't put any more fertilizer on it, and it just looks horrible. And the uh, mm-hmm. pita grass is taking over. What can I do when I went on to kind of get it through the winter so I can perch back up in the spring? Well, there's there's a couple of things, that, Kathy. First of all, are you are you able to water it all? Oh yes, yes. Uh huh. Okay. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's what centipede needs to be healthy and thick. And it can take the heat. It can take the humidity. But there's three things it needs. And in order of importance, first of all, it needs to be mowed high. Maybe not as high as St. Augustine, but at least the next high city on your mower all the time. That's what centipede needs first and foremost. If you cut it low, not much else you're going to be able to do to help it. Uh, coincidentally, mowing high is bad for Bermuda grass. It likes to be cut real close. So mowing high not only thickens up your centipede, but it helps shade out the Bermuda grass. And what little makes it at the top gets yanked out by your mower. Uh, second thing is a good deep soaking at least once a month, maybe every couple of weeks. But people who water all the time, that's a mistake with centipede. It's a drought-tolerant grass. needs a good soaking every couple of three weeks, at least once a month, no more than, than, than every week or so. And then the third thing is kind of a distant. If you use this fertilizer called centipede food once a year, sometime in late April or May after it's been greened up and grown, 
and you recycle your clipping, that's way more than enough fertilizer for centipede to make it through the, that summer and the next winter. So fertilizing with centipede food mid to late April, that's all it needs as far as fertilizer. And um, Bermuda grass likes fertilizer. So anyway, mohai, water every now and then really good, and then give it a little centipede food at least every couple of years, sometime in late April. Those three things will do more to help your centipede and help it overcome the Bermuda than anything else, plain and simple. But I have torpedo grass in there, too. I don't know anything to get rid of. Oh, to, yeah. No, tor- torpedo grass is a whole different thing. I mean, it's a whole different creature. Uh, okay. you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, and there's really not a good control for it because what will kill torpedo grass will kill Bermuda and centipede and St. Augustine and all those other things. So other than pulling it out or, you know, there's really not any safe safe way to put even Roundup on it, you know, you, you, because, you know, you have to leave it alone for a few days. So yeah. there's not a really, there's just not really a good solution other than every chance you get, just pull up what you can and hope you get every little bit. There's not a good herbicide for torpedo grass. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, good luck, Elvon Kathy. Ooh. All right. Thanks. Pre- Bye-bye. Pre- appreciate your call. Okay, folks, uh, again, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, mpb ring I want to throw out a couple of things that are happening coming up real soon. Uh, September is really when things start to, to crank up as far as uh, garden events. Um, uh, it, it's one of them that's coming up on the 7th of September, uh, that's a uh, week from, two weeks from today, Mississippi Native Plant Society is having its annual meeting. It's going to be in Jackson at the Natural Science Museum. Um, they're, they're, they're asking $6 at the door, but uh, they've got all sorts of people giving talks about it. There's a tour. Uh, the museum itself is fantastic. Uh, I understand they're refurbishing the uh, native plant exhibit out front. I, I hope that most of it survives because it's a cool little garden. Uh, but anyway, it's a fun way to get together like-minded people, learn some of the benefits of native plants. Saturday, September the 7th at the Na- Natural Science Museum in Jackson. Now, that same weekend... Uh, September 6th, 7th, and 8th, the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, up at Holly Springs, which is North Mississippi, uh, there's a place called the Strawberry Plains uh, Audubon Center, and they had their annual, their 20th annual Hummingbird Migration Festival, and I'm, I've been to it. It is it's astounding that you will see more hummingbirds in one place than you've seen your entire life. Uh, you know, they, they've got all sorts of plants out there. The hummingbirds are coming through in en masse from New England right now. The ones that are in New England are already headed our way. Uh, but they've got a feeder set up. They have people who are catching them and banding them. You can watch this. Uh, they also have terrific native plants. And I got several plants for my garden that are good, sturdy, dependable, world-class garden plants that also happen to be great for butterflies and hummingbirds and other things, too. So anyway, if you have a chance, Strawberry Plains... Uh, Audubon Center, uh, just north of Holly Springs up in North Mississippi. Fantastic opportunity. Uh, they got food and music and all that too, but uh, you'll just be astounded by it. Uh, now, a couple of other things while we're waiting for some calls. We got the, the lines wide open if you want to give us a call. Uh, on September the 17th, I'm going to be giving a program at the Orange Grove Library down in Gulfport. Uh, Gulfport, Mississippi is on I, Old Highway 49. It's going to be in the morning, 11 o'clock on September 17th. 
Again, that's in Gulfport. And then on the 20th and 21st, the Mississippi Gorge Society is having its uh, its big festival. Uh, it's going to be at the Smith County Ag Complex in Raleigh, Mississippi, which is central, sort of between um, south of Jackson, north of Hattiesburg, and off towards the side. Anyway, Laura, they have a whole lot of stuff going on there. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, and then the last one I've got right now is um, October 18th and 19th. There's going to be a Sweet Mississippi Tea Festival, downtown Popperville. Got plenty of time to talk about that. Uh, oh, oh, one other thing. I'm going to be at the Max in Meridian. If you haven't been to the Max, <laughs> you're really missing out on, on a I've already used world class once this hour, but a world class a display of uh, cultural arts and all. It is an unbelievable place, uh, right downtown, right next to the train station. Uh, that's going to be uh, on October 5th in the morning. I'm going to be talking about wacky containers, a little bit of a plant swap, and plenty more on that later. If you've got some things you'd like to share, shoot me an email, please. Garden at mpbonline.org. Meanwhile, we're going to go from the Gulf Post. Gulf Coast, all the way up to the Tennessee state line to South Haven. Hey, John, how are you today? Hey, how's it going? So far, so good. What's up? I got a couple of questions. One's about tomatoes. One's about dahlias. Um, My tomatoes this year look pretty good, but they didn't have any affinity um, to speak can, can you give me some hints? On, on how to make your tomatoes more acid tasting? Yeah. Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, all tomatoes, we've, we've tested hundreds of tomatoes. They all have about the same acidity, but some of them have more natural sugars, which cover up the acidity. See, so, so, so the, what they call a low-acid tomato is a variety that doesn't naturally have quite as many sugars in it. So if you've got a variety that is naturally sugary, it's going to cover up the acidity. One thing you might want to try, and this sounds kind of counterintuitive, is pick them before they're completely ripe. If you leave them on the vine, the longer you leave them, the more sugars they get. So if you'll pick them when they're starting to show a little bit of red, uh, they're not going to get any riper, but they're also not going to get any sweeter. So, you know, that's one thing you can try if you've got a variety that's, that's naturally got a lot of sugar. But you know, other than the variety, you know, there's not much else you can do about that. Uh, you know, keep them on the, uh, keep them watered. You know, this is another thing. Uh, if you water, if you let a plant get droughty, it concentrates its, its sugars and also. You might want to keep them, you know, well watered. Pick them a little bit early, and then uh, next year research varieties that are that are uh, have more of an acidic bite. And there's some varieties that are known for that. And that's about it, though. Okay, let's slide down to Mobile, Alabama. Hey, Virgil. Good morning. Howdy. What's up? We are trying to get rid of some bamboo, and we've been digging on it, and we think we've done a pretty good job. Of course, as you probably know, this is kind of an ongoing. Uh, project. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and we, you know, you'll pull the roots up and follow them here and follow them there, and you always leave a few. Is there any right. recommendation uh, besides Roundup? I'm kind of leery of that with all the news lately, but if that's the only yeah. way or, or whatever, but we'd just like a better shot at not seeing it again in the future. Yeah, well, a, a couple of things. First of all, if you pull it three times in one or two years, 
you get the first time is the hardest. Second time you get most of what comes up. And if you'll follow it up before, you know, again, next spring, then you'll get what, in other words, you can peter it out pretty quick. It's not the roots. It's that, it's that, that hard rhizome that's right underneath it. You need to get up. So the first pulling gets most of it. Second pulling gets most of that. Third pulling, usually, you know, the following spring, you can pretty well get rid of it that way. But in other words, just stay on top of it. And each time gets easier. Uh, try it in the late, you know, try it in the late spring after it's sprouted so you can see what it is and when the dirt's a little bit, uh, the dirt's a little bit softer. Uh, let me throw this out, though. Uh, you mentioned Roundup, and I catch so much flack from people about Roundup. I honestly, I, I don't have a dog in that race. I don't work for Monsanto. I, I, I don't. I don't. But I will say this. The stuff about Roundup is about overdosing in agriculture type of thing, overdosing over a long period of time. It has lower toxicity by far than caffeine and salt and aspirin, red meat, fried food, wood smoke. And this is true. <laughs> so it's, it, it's a matter of dosage over time. If you were to just carefully put it on the foliage of active growing plants, as soon as it dries, I'm really sure of this. I'm, I'm sure. I wish I could say something different than this. It's not a problem. However, there is a material that works like Roundup that only kills true grasses. It's sold under different brand names. I don't want to get into it, but you can spray it on everything out there, and the only thing that's going to die is your lawn, your corn, and your bamboo. It only kills true grasses. It works just like Roundup. But as far as the safety thing, that's something that's been blown out of proportion by lawyers who are not taking on the the cattle industry or the French fry industry. Right. They're picking on the they're they're picking on the the severe cases of long term overdose. I'm real sure of that. Well, I, that's good information to know. I'll just keep on drinking my cup of coffee and put on some plastic gloves when I use Roundup. Then. Well, let me put it this way: the coffee is a lot more toxic than the Roundup, but alcohol is even more toxic than that. So get your cup of coffee, glass when I go out, and just pull up the. You know, forget to round up, just pull up your bamboo because you're most of the way there anyway. All right. Well, I sure appreciate it. Good luck on it. Appreciate your call. Thank you. Okay, folks, I really, I wish, I don't like to get into controversy. I get so many bad, mean emails from people who don't do their science. They don't do their science. I'm sorry about agriculture, agribusiness, and all this. I'm sorry about all that. But don't blame caffeine or red meat or fried food or occasional use of Roundup in your backyard. Just don't do it. You know, be honest about it. Hey, I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. We got a lot of positive stuff to talk about. You want to give me a call? The lines are wide open. Toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. My producer, the awesome Java Chapman, and our phone screener today is Liz Gill, another producer at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We're going to take a very, very short break. Come back. Once you give me a call, we'll talk about it right after this. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. Uh, while we're in that break, I got a couple of emails uh, waiting on your phone calls. One is from Kelly Owens, who's from up in Oxford. Kelly wants to know, should dead flowers be removed from hydrangeas, and should they be cut back? Uh, you can if you want to. You can spray paint in purple. Plants don't care. If you want to prune your hydrangeas, it's getting a little bit late. 
you can cut them back a little bit now, cut some of the stems back and let them sprout back out. And I think they have time to, to, to mature before fall. This is sort of the last call for pruning uh, spring and summer blooming shrubs. So I'd go ahead and, and, and get that done if you want to. You can leave some and cut some of them back. Uh, she also wanted to know, Kelly also wanted to know when you can transplant hydrangeas. Um, and my, my general rule of thumb is in the late fall or the winter when they're not actively growing, after they drop their leaves. Uh, if you'll go ahead and start digging on the hole where they're going to go, uh, nice and deep, but mo most important, wide, with just a little stuff added to it, maybe covered up with some bark or some leaves, the hole will be mellow. It'll be ready for your plant when you get ready to dig in it and moving it this fall. Cut it back if you're going to move it. Try not to move a big plant. And by, by all means, try not to move a big plant this time of year. Also got a, uh, an, an email from, uh, from Bill Brescia, said his blueberry, his drop, one of his blueberry bushes dropped all of his leaves on the ground, all brown, and um, wants to know what it can do. Uh, and my rule of thumb is if the plant drops its leaves, it's just under really bad stress. If the leaves turn brown and stick on it, that plant or that part of the plant is dead. So I'll just say it's Pretty much some some heavy stress. I would g give a, a good soaking. Well, if you haven't had too much rain already, uh, but also prune some of the stems back. Just cut some of the stems. Whatever grew this year, cut it back about halfway. And uh, I think there's time for the new growth to come out and mature. We're might be a little bit late uh, for to, to set flower buds before fall, so I wouldn't cut them all back. But cut some of the stems back to save the plant. And uh, that'll take the immediate stress off of it. Uh, I don't think it'll spread to other plants. It sounds like just a real severe root issue, maybe too wet or too dry or something like that. Anyway, we're going to stay in Mobile and talk with Glenda. Hi, Glenda. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Phil, yeah. for everything you do. You. Down here, you answer so many wonderful questions. And I have a question about my okay. amaryllis bulbs. They are were beautiful. They were they're good and healthy, but you know, they bloomed out. Uh, the grasshopper started eating on it, so I cut them. Oh, boy. You know, and now I want to know if I can move four or five of them um, to a better location. Yeah. Well, yes. And, you know, this, yeah, are they in pots or in, or in the ground? Yeah, they're in the ground. In the ground. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's usually you know these these amaryllis are South African natives, you know, and and they're pretty durable plants. As long as they had leaves on them for three or four months or so, I think it's perfectly okay to move them. Uh, if they have a bunch of leaves on them, they're going to flop over, so you might want to cut some of the leaves back. But it'd be okay yeah. to move them. I would just I, I wouldn't keep them out of the ground too long. If you can wait another month or so, that'd be better. But I, I think it's okay. perfectly okay to you know these are pretty durable plants. What I'm saying. Yes, I just found that after I had them there, it's not really a good place for half of them. And yeah. I, I carry them through the winter. I cover them and just love them. And we love your show, and thank you for that information. Well, I want to ask you this. Why do you cover them up? Uh, you know, amaryllis are really tough on the Gulf Coast. Even some of the fancy florists are riding. Oh, yeah. Uh, are these are, are these old-fashioned red kind or fancy florist yes, kind or what? Yes, the big red ones that are just amazing looking. Those, I just thought, well, it's going to go down to thirty. I better cover it. Well, you know, my you know my my uh, my Mississippi garden is uh, about 150 miles north of you, and I have big old red amaryllis come up every year after year after year after year. I don't do nothing oh except God. cut them down. 
So, yeah, that's that's one I less thing you glad. need to worry about. I Thank you for that, because I'll get out there and I'll go, oh, my gosh, I didn't cover them. So I'm out there, you know, at 11 o'clock <laughs> at night, covering them, putting some bricks down in case the Go let it blow over. Thank you so much again. You bet. Well, if it keeps if it keeps you from drinking, go ahead and do that. But you don't need to. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Appreciate you, Kyle. Great hey. weekend. Thanks. Thanks Thank again. you. Appreciate right, it. Okay, folks. Toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. I would like to throw out um, a couple of emails I got this past week. One is from Graham Cassabri. He said he had a shrub that's probably thirty years old. Part of it died, and part of it dying. But part of it looks pretty good. What's the problem? Uh, and it turned out to be it was a ligustrum, ligustrum, azalea, some of these other uh, other common plants. They can live 30, 40, 50, 60 years. But a lot of them, after 15 or 20 or 25 or 30 years, start to get tired. They get old. They get internal damage from staying too wet one year, too dry one year, too hot back and forth. And they get root damage and internal damage. Not unusual for parts of older shrubs, particularly Asian shrubs like azaleas, camellias, uh, gardenias, um, uh, hydrangeas, and, uh, and ligustrum. It's not unusual for olivas to have dead or dying areas. All you can do is cut it out. Just cut. I've had to do that in my garden, and a part of it looks bad. I just treat it like, a, like, like I do the hairs growing out of the rim of my ear. You just pluck it out and hope none of it grows back. Uh, also, let me see. This is, uh, oh, this is from Laura Miller up in Pontotoc. She says she's working on a flower bed, wants to use some native plants. How difficult is it to dig up ironweed and relocate it to a flower bed? In case you're not familiar, ironweed, sort of like goldenrod, it's a tall perennial, except instead of having those golden yellow uh, flowers, it's got rich royal purple flowers, ironweed, purple. Some people call it purple top, but it's ironweed. Um, it's real easy if you can go ahead and cut the plants back you know, if you don't cut it back, they're going to die. But if you cut them back to a few inches tall and just move that clump of roots, perfectly okay. Ironweed is not a protective species. As long as you're not going to get shot, as long as you're not digging up along the edge of the Natchez Trace, go for it. It's better to wait. Goldenrod, ironweed, wild azuratum, those kind of things. Better to wait, but if you're going to move it now, cut it back. Put the flowers in a vase and enjoy them. Don't try to move a plant that's in full bloom. Or better yet, you're from Pontotoc. Uh, in a couple of weeks, you can have that thing up at Strawberry uh, Plains, the, the Audubon Center. They, they're going to have this butterfly thing, and they have a terrific native plant sale. They'll have ironweed and all sorts, including some of the type of goldenrods that don't spread and don't take over like the tall field goldenrod. So anyway, if you want to move stuff, cut it back. Then move it. Uh, now let's uh, stay in Mobile. Let's talk to Paula. Good morning, Paula. Hi, Felder. How are you? Fine, thank you. Better than I deserve, I can tell you that. Most of us. <laughs> listen, not um, a joke. <laughs> listen, I I evidently have a pretty long learning curve. Hate to admit it, but so this is my every year problem. Um, mm -hmm. In the backyard, I have large patches, just predictably in August of grass that just turns this nasty brown and almost black. And I've done everything but have interventions and burn incense and get drunk. <laughs> and and I'm thinking thinking about the last one anyway. Well, yeah, I'm and assuming they, you, have Saint August, you have St. Augustine grass. It, it, it is. And, yeah. and here's, here's the thing. 
I thought, well, maybe I'm cutting it too short, and then yes, maybe I'm yes, cutting it yes. too high, and maybe you no. know I've done all the above. So Saint Saint Augustine, you you need to say you know, and keep in mind, I don't have any grass in my yard. I I, I don't have a, and I wrote the foreword to yep. the best-selling lawn care book in the South. Because uh, I'm a turf guy. When I was a kid, right. I had to mow the grass where I could go swim. And I said, when I can get to be a grown-up, I'm not going to have any grass. And I don't. You got that but right. That, yeah. but, 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 that, but that frees me up to tell the truth. I don't sell anything. I don't have – it doesn't matter to me. What St. August needs more than anything else is to be mowed high all the time. Throw the wrench away. That is the – key to healthy St. Augustine, followed by a far distant second, a good soaking every month or so, just like centipede, and a far distant third, give it a little fertilizer at least every two or three or four years. And your kind of rainy weather, fertilizer washes away. So I would say at least every couple of years, no more than once a year. And you can use centipede food. But if you'll mow high centipede food in late April, give it an occasional soaking if you go without rain. That's about it. Other than that, we need to find out what's the underlying problem because that's those three things are 95% of a good, healthy St. Augustine lawn. Really are. I'm, I'm not being over simplistic here. Right. So, I can certainly we, do that. Yeah. Uh, um, you might want to call the extension office and see, you know, there, there may be, you know, your, your soil may be heavy, uh, may be compacted, might need aerating. There's all sorts of other stuff, but I'm starting to guess there. And I'm just not that kind of guy. Yeah, I'll bet you're right. Because sometimes when I get bored, I mow a little more than if it gets cool or something. And I'll mow nope. a little more maybe than the next guy. So I'll bet that's it. Yeah. Well, you're too young to remember shag carpet. But St. Augustine is no. a shag carpet. It ain't a, no, you know. It's, it's, Felder, it's, I got a couple <laughs> of years on you. So. <laughs> well, anyway, mow it, mow it high, throw the wrench away. That is the key. The key. Okay. Without doing that, nothing else really matters. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Okay. Good luck. Now go have a drink. No, it's too early in the morning. Never mind. Bye. <laughs> hey, folks, I've got a couple of other emails to share, but we got to take some music first. Uh, I've got emails all week long. Um, do a lot of a lot of writing, do a lot of lecturing, do a lot of talking, a lot of garden club talks and master gardener groups and all. This is what I like the most, just yakking with people. I'm fully exposed. I made a mistake last week and got four emails about it saying robins only eat worms. Robins eat blueberries and all sorts of stuff. I learned because people wrote in and helped me out. I had a brain lapse. So anyway, I don't mind not knowing everything. Matter of fact, it's kind of fun. So we're going to take a real quick break. I'm coming home to Mississippi next week after being uh, in over, overseas all summer, and I thought it'd be fun to play this sweet little tune to make, re, let you know that I'm thinking about back home, thinking about y'all. Horticulture's fellow rushing here to MPB. We'll be right back. Once more 
Mississippi and you. Okie dokie folks, welcome back to Horticulture's Felder Rushing. If you want to give us a call, toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Looking forward to, to getting back. And uh, by the way, this is going to be a big plant swap uh, down in Mobile. It's in October. I don't have the date yet, but uh, the lady who called said she had amaryllis that needs to be uh, dug and divided. Maybe put some aside and uh, share them through that plant swap. It's always a lot of fun. Hey, let's slide up to what I call the icebox part of Mississippi, uh, really almost um, Alabama, Tishomingo County. Hey, Lisa, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Felder. Good. What's up? I have recently bought a house. Um, the, the property has old plants on it, some old established plants, especially I'm, I'm thinking of Wygelia, um, some oxalis, and a few other things and the problem is landscapers are coming in and putting in a deck and i want to rescue some of these plants i know this is not the right time to transplant but if i yeah. all possible like the wygelia is a is an older variety in fact all of these plants are older varieties because the house was built in the 50s so i'm, yeah. I'm just looking for some advice on how to minimize the trauma of lifting these some of these plants and, and relocating them it's a shady yeah, the, area. The, it's, yeah. Yeah, the, these are good questions. By the way, by the way, the YG will do fine if, if, even in a sunnier spot. You know, it tolerates a lot of shade. You know, like okay. the English dogwoods, what some people call mock orange, you know, and carrier. There's a lot of great old-fashioned shrubs that I see all over English gardens, but only time you find them in, in the deep south now are in older gardens where people haven't yanked them out and replaced them with azaleas. But anyway, to answer your question, it's going to be hard to move a mature shrub. I've done it. I worked at a nursery before I ever went to college. I've dug so many plants, and it's really hard to move a big mature plant because you leave all the important feeder roots behind. You just uh -huh. get a stump. So if right. you want to do it, though, let's do two things first. And the first one is going to be as hard as the second one. First of all, go ahead and dig the holes we're going to move them to first. You don't have to over-prepare okay. the soil, but dig the dirt and loosen it up wider than what you're going to put back in it. You don't have to, to dig it. Just loosen it up. Uh, okay. That's the hardest part. That's going to half kill you this time of year. Uh, but when it comes to, when when it comes time to move it, go ahead and cut it back to just a couple of feet tall. It's gonna break your heart to do this, but yeah. it makes it easier. It makes it easier to, to 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 move, easier to handle, easier to get to, and it'll save the plant's life. Because if you don't, all of the feeder roots are way out from the shrub. They're gonna be left behind, and all right. those leaves and limbs are gonna suck it dry. So cut it back. Just a couple of feet tall. It will not hurt these plants to cut them to two feet tall. I've done it countless dozens of times. But cut them back, move them, water them in real good, and they'll do fine. Okay. Well, that's really helpful. Unfortunately, I have some young people that will dig dig and prepare the ground for me. So. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. It's, it's, it's ladies like you that, that turned me off to some of this kind of stuff because I had to dig those holes when I was a kid, so be gentle. <laughs> Give them some iced tea. But anyway, anyway yes, cutting them back, cutting them back is really, really important because they're not going to be able to manhandle a root ball that's more than about oh 
two feet across. Anything bigger than that is going to break, and that'll kill the plant. So you're going to have to dig okay. up a root ball that's not much bigger than a bushel basket. So cut them back, have them dig the holes first, or make one of them dig up. Anyway, it'll make it a lot easier. Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the advice. Good luck. And, and thanks for reminding me of Wajila. By the way, it's Wajila, not Ia. And I'm not being okay. politically correct because it doesn't make sense any more than saying aluminum instead of aluminum. <laughs> but that's just the way it is. Anyway, have okay. fun. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. You bet. Bye. Okay, let's go over to the middle of the Mississippi Delta. Hey, Charlotte, calling from Cleveland. What's going on? Good morning. Um, I Hello. am a, um, a balcony container gardener, and mm -hmm. I have some rose moths that, through diligent deadheading and fertilizing and everything, they're really, they have vibrant colors and um, really thriving, and it's gotten really sick in my pot. Will it stay doing okay, really infested sick like that, or do I need to give some away or Will I be okay like I am? Okay, uh, I heard everything except the second part of the name, Rose, what? Rose Moss. Rose Moss. Oh, 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 that little uh, sort of flowering annual opens up when the sun's out and it closes up later? Yes, and have to keep it deadheaded a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can divide that. As a matter of fact, you can cut it back to practically nothing. And it'll sprout back out, and you can even root the pieces. So it's it's a pretty forgiving plant. Sooner or later, it's going to have to be divided. Um, and and this is an annual. You're not going to try to keep it over the winter, are you? No, I'm not. Okay, okay. I would as long as it's looking good, just give it a little bit of fertilizer, not too much, a little bit of fertilizer. And and as it gets bigger, the 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 it has less room for water. So you might have to water it a little more often, but luckily it's a real drought-tolerant plant. So I would just enjoy it. Heck, it's, it's almost September. We've only got another couple of three months to enjoy it anyway. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Hey, let me throw this out, Charlotte. Have you heard of a plant called Angelonia? She's gone, isn't she? <laughs> that's okay i was talking about a plant called angelonia it is one of the toughest java you know i put stuff out in the springtime and i'm gone and angelonia will be there when i get home still blooming i love plants is this like one that. of those plants that uh what'd you say a, a dead person can grow <laughs> yep yep i mean i'm, I'm gone yeah, ain't nobody water of course you got a lot hey y'all have had so much rain i got a picture from a friend of mine who sent me a picture of her doormat that's got mushrooms growing on it. That's how much rain you've had. <laughs> oh, me. Hey, let's slide up to Risland, just north of central Mississippi, and talk to Bob. Hey, Bob, good morning, sir. Good morning, Felder. Howdy. I don't know what's going on with my uh, red top petunias. I, I've had good luck with them in the past, uh, but I've planted, the last three years I've had some real problems. Um, I planted 11 of them along the perimeter of my property, uh -huh. um, about three years ago, and um, about half of them are doing what I want them to do. Uh-oh. Was that me, Java? No, that was Bob. Hopefully, um, Bob, you can call back. Um, we dropped a connection. I really couldn't. I don't know if you got it exactly what he was trying to ask. Well, he, he, he was asking about a red top fatinia, but he didn't say what the problem was. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess 
two things. Uh, one is, and, and by the way, folks, we got the lines open. You want to give us a call, toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Bobby, if you can't give me a call back. The two most common things I get about are red tip potinias, uh, which is a real popular plant. It was hugely popular when I was young. I had a hedge of it myself. One is, if they're crowded, they tend to, to get weaker. You know, if you have them more than every, oh, four or five feet, that's too close. If they're closer than that, you need to thin them out, seriously, because they out they're big shrubs, and they'll outcompete each other. Uh, if they're not growing very well, uh, make sure that the trunks haven't been hit with a lawnmower or the string trimmer. That does more damage than anybody can imagine. Lawnmower, string trimmer at the trunk is really, really tough. Uh, but if that's okay, you can actually prune red tips back. And it's not too late. It's at the end of the hard pruning time. But if you'll cut some of the stems back about halfway or a third, then they'll sprout back out actually and outgrow them if you don't cut them. So just thin some of the branches back, leave some tall, come some, cut some medium, come, cut some short, and they'll fill out really, really well pretty quick. They'll put out new growth within, within weeks, and you still got time to do that. Uh, and then the, the third thing is a real serious disease. There's a leaf spot that gets on red tips. It gets on, um, oh, um, I'm trying to think of the uh, Indian hawthorn. It'll get on a few other plants, the little small BB-sized dark spots. That's a really serious fungus disease called endomosporium, real common. And every spot splashes spores to new leaves, which starts more spots. So if you've got little red spots all over the leaves, real serious disease. No cure for it. But you can cut the plants back to where they've got no leaves and no twigs. That gets the disease off the plant. The new growth comes out, it'll be free of the, the, the disease. So pruning the plants back hard, throwing that stuff away, cleaning up under them, putting some fresh mulch, that'll help go a long ways towards controlling, if not cure, the, red, the, the little red spot. Uh, it's called Photinia leaf spot is what it's called. Anyway. Pruning almost always helps a red tip photinia, whether disease, old age, needs to be thickened up. Pruning stimulates new growth. Not a negative thing, folks. Pruning stimulates new growth on plants. It's a physiological thing I don't want to get into. Anyway, we're going to take a real quick break. Got some lines open if you want to give us a call. It's toll free. 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, by the way, I, I taught my old friend Mark Patrick today. He has grown chrysanthemums commercially for many years. He says it's not getting too late, but it's getting late to pinch chrysanthemums back. You know the old country girls, the clericers, cut them back a little bit. They won't be as floppy. They got time for new growth to come out and still sit flower buds and bloom in late October, November. So it's not too late, but getting late to prune fall blooming chrysanthemums. Well, again, we're going to take a real quick break. Hope you give me a call. We've got some lines open. We'll be back with more of your gardening stuff here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back to Gestalt Garden here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. While we were during a break, I checked out a couple of emails. Lauren Todd says that uh, she started following my rule to mow high several years ago. Um, 
but t- today she heard me say, don't mow Bermuda grass high. That's true. Bermuda grass likes to be cut low. Maybe not the lowest setting, but the lowest or the next to lowest setting. That's where Bermuda grass grows the thickest. It likes a little bit more fertilizer, not more at a time, but uh, one or two light feedings a year as opposed to the other grasses and a good soaking every now and then. But cut Bermuda grass on the low side, fertilize it lightly once or twice a year, and uh, that's pretty much what it takes. Hey, let's, we got a caller who's on I-59. Trish, how are you? I hope you got your hands on the wheel. Yes, my sister's driving. I'm listening. Okay. What's up? Where are y'all headed to, if oh, I could be so nosy? Where? where? Okay, good. Well, what's up? What can I help you with? We have an old, well-established late 60s azalea. Uh-huh. Part of it's dying. It's got that lichen going on it, but you've said a million times that's not killing it, but that's an indication of its health. That's can right. It, can we cut it way back and say I have taken... I, I have cut azaleas at Monel Gardens in Jackson with a chainsaw to a foot and a half tall to stumps bigger round than my arm, and they sprouted out with no problem. It's kind of late for doing that this year, though. If you do it now, they've got time for the new growth to come out, but it won't set flower buds, so you won't have any spring. So let's wait till after it blooms next year and just whack it, or cut, cut the dead stuff out, but cut the whole plant back after it blooms next spring. And then, Trish, it's real important after the new growth comes out to snip the tips off of it so it bushes out instead of shooting up taller than you and your sister put together. So it, hard pruning, you you could do it, but it's you won't like have any flowers next year if you cut it hard now. Right. I knew that. Thank you. Thank you very much, Phil. Appreciate it. Okay. Now, you, you know your neighbors are going to talk about you when you do this. Just hold your head up. That's okay. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, Trish. Tell your sister I said, hey, bye now. <laughs> Let's go to Jackson. Hey, George, good morning, sir. Good morning. What's up? Well, I have a crop failure in my Meyer lemon trees. Had such a good crop last year, went out and bought another one. Both of them started the year off with a little green knots of limes and leaves look good. And then everything fell off the tree. I mean, not the leaves. All the fruit fell off the tree. And my brother, yeah. who was about a half a mile away, had the same experience. Uh, yeah. Happened? Now, uh, are these still in? These are in pots, right? These are in pots, and they, I moved them from in to out. Well, like one yeah. of them is the other one I just bought. Yeah, here, here's, of course, they, they won't survive outside in, in central Mississippi. A couple of things. First of all, you know, they, they bloom in the, you know, in, in cold weather. You know, they bloom when it's too cold to set them outside. And so if they didn't get fertilized, if you didn't have bees pollinating them or some of the reason they didn't get pollinated, they'll actually make sometimes a little small fruit, but they get to a size where they start making seeds. Ain't no seeds there. They throw them off the plant. So it could just be oh, moving okay. from, from inside to out is a big shock because of low humidity, low light to a lot of humidity and a lot of light. Also, we had a lot of rain. There's all sorts of environmental things, but if they don't get pollinated, uh, you know, they'll just reach a certain size. Just boop, they just throw themselves off because they're not going to make seeds. So they say, "Well, we're out of here." I got you. Well, thank you for your help. I'll uh, try to trap a pea and put it inside for the plant <laughs> next year. 
Now, I'm not sure. I'll have to ask my friend Tom Mann, who grows a lot of citrus and fruit. But you might just be able to go out and, you know, get you a little stick or, you know, and when they're blooming, just thump the stems real hard to sort of shake the flower. You know, don't tap the flower. But if you, sh- you know, thump it really hard, sometimes that can release pollen in the flowers. And that might be all it takes. But I, I'll have good. to double check on that. So Thank anyway, you so good luck. Okay, George, appreciate it. Yes, hey, thank you. Bye-bye. All righty, folks. Again, horticulture's fellow Russian. We've been talking about gardening. I got some emails. Um, here's one from a fellow who talked about pruning photinias back and wants to know if he could root any of the pieces he prunes off. Well, that's where every photinia, every azalea, every camellia, that's where they all come from is from cuttings. And they're taken in July and August. So you can do it now, but they need to be kind of short cutting, four or five, six inches long with only three or four leaves. And those cut half in two, so only half as long. They need bright light, high humidity. So make your little tent like a little miniature greenhouse. Put it in a bright place, not hot sun, and they have a pretty good chance of rooting. Let's go up to North Alabama. Hey, David, are you anywhere near the uh, Coon Dog Cemetery? I am. Yeah, I'm not far from it. I'm outside of Muscle Shoals. Yep, there you go. You got to know where that place is to get to it because you could be Tennessee, Alabama, or Mississippi for all you know from the surroundings. Yeah. What's up? What's you got going on? I raise uh, muscadine, so I've got uh, two bronze vines, and then I had uh, two of my black domestic ice and black beauties. They were my pollinators, and uh-huh. they were they were probably four or five years old, and then all of a sudden both vines died. So I'm looking this this uh, winter replacing them, but I'm yeah. scared to put new plants in the same spot. With you know, I've got my structure up where I can let the vines run. I'm yeah. Not able to put them there. I'm wanting to relocate my concrete grapes back there with them. Uh, yeah. And I haven't got it's... a clue what killed these vines. I mean, we're talking about these things were lush. They're like my. Yeah, my they were lush, vines. and and if if you look down close to the trunk, you see where the trunk, where the the lower trunk split wide open, like like you stuck a knife through it. And Absolutely. a lot of times this, a lot of times this is just caused by by rain, weather. Uh, the plants get overwhelmed. There's all, all sorts of things that are putting it under stress. But and I was raised in a muscadine grove. My my family had the oldest muscadine uh, winery in the state. Uh, and they'll just the lower trunk will split and they'll turn brown overnight. It's usually not a soil problem unless your ground stays is really hard and clay or stays wet part of the year. So if you got pretty good dirt, rework it and put you a nice small vine out. Be sure when you plant a new one, David, to loosen up the potting soil and the roots. Don't just pull out of the pot and stick it in the ground. There shouldn't be a problem in planting right next to the old vine. You could even use the old vine as part of your trellis. So as long as it doesn't stay too wet, followed by too dry, most of the time muscadines will do fine. It's not a root disease is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, the ground is choked. It's it's just falling. It's just basically choked. And so, uh, but the... You know, my, uh, my bronze vines, uh, I, I'm going to have to cut them back. I mean, they're just, they're overloaded. Yeah. The yeah, muscadines, mus- you know, muscadines, if you don't prune a muscadine every single year, you messed up. I, I, I was raised with muscadine vine. reason I don't have one now, because it takes more, you know, I can buy muscadine jelly cheaper, and I can spend an hour out there pruning on them. But uh, anyway, I, I wouldn't worry about it. As long as your dirt doesn't stay too wet or too dry, they'll do, they'll do okay. Just move it over a couple of three feet. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay, David. Good luck on it. 
And I think we got time to talk with Ann down in Picayune. Hey, Ann, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. What's up? I've got a huge overgrown oleander that still blooms beautifully, but it's just way too large. Can I cut it all the way down to the ground to rejuvenate it? And if so, when? Uh, yeah, you said oleander, right? Yes. Yeah, you can prune oleander with 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 pickup trucks if you want to. They're, you know, they're they're even even though they're technically shrubs, a lot of people grow them as is like perennials. You can cut it to the ground. They'll and they bloom on new growth, so it's probably too late to do that this time of year. It's way too hot, and there's probably a yellow jacket nest in it anyway. So the best time would be sometime in the winter time when it's easier. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they'll sprout out next spring and do perfectly fine on the new growth, no problem at all. Oh, great! All right, thank you so much. Okay, one one quick thing, Ann. Don't chew your fingernails till after you wash it, because the sap of oleander is real poisonous. Just oh, yeah, don't get have, it in. I have heard that. <laughs> yeah, just just don't chew your fingernails till you wash your hands. They'll do fine. Okay, thank you. All right, appreciate it. Ooh, we've been rocking and rolling today, Java. We really we really have. Now, I just got to ask this question because next week you will be in the studio, correct? I believe so. You know, if, if the if, if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise. How about that? There you go. <laughs> all righty. Okay, folks, we've had a good time today. Java Chapman, Liz Gill, all the other wonderful folks at MPB, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, they put this party together for you and me. If you have some questions during the week, shoot me an email. It's real easy. Garden at mpbonline.org. If you get a chance this last weekend in August, last full weekend in August, if you get a chance, take a kid to a farmer's market. Take a kid to a garden center. Take them outside and wiggle your fingers in the dirt and show them roly but whatever it takes. Show kids how to do what we do best, because if you don't, ain't nobody else going to show them that it's okay and kind of fun to get dirty. See y'all next week.